Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast for Saturday, June 27th. How's everyone doing today on this lovely Saturday? Kind of weird seeing how we have all these sports. We have golf going today. We have supposed to have NASCAR trucks and a NASCAR race, but unfortunately because of rain, the trucks race in Pocono got canceled. Then we have a UFC car tonight. Big day in horse racing with a lot of stakes races at Churchill Downs. So sports are starting to come back. MLB, NBA are making plans. NHL already has a plan. The funny thing about me and the um, MLB thing is when you read about it, and for those of those, for those that didn't, didn't look at it over at my website, etoff21sports.com, I put together this little, I wrote out this blog piece about if baseball was dying and about the future of baseball and the issues that I have with the sport right now. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure you go check that out on etoff21sports.com. But with baseball coming back, and if you look at the stuff with the, the, the rules and whatnot, there's no mention of COVID-19. There is no mention of COVID-19. So the point I've been making the whole time about this just strictly being a money grab was right. This is just strictly a money grab for Major League Baseball and the players. And they are obviously in a hole with it compared to other sports. And they really dropped the ball. I mean, they could have got more people into the fantasy game, more people to betting baseball, and promote its players, kind of growing it through that. So, you know, these people that are saying about baseball and, you know, they, they weren't playing because of COVID-19, just look at the proposals. When and what people are saying, it doesn't say anything about COVID-19. It's just all about money and percentages and playoff games and shit like that. And with MLB coming back, the first thing I'm going to say is I don't even know if I'm going to be charging for Melody. I mean, this is a situation that none of us as cappers are familiar with, a shortened 60-game season. So usually you need a sample size to make bets, and you need to be able to see spring training to see what these guys are doing. So we're going to, we're going to, I think I don't even know if they're going to be having spring training games. I mean, So this is going to be totally different. And none of us cappers or fans or anything know what's going to be the product is going to be on the field. And the games are going to be a lot different. The days of starting pitchers going like deep, they're gone. They're gone. It's going to be bullpen. There's going to be a premium on, on the bullpen and premium on um, managing. So I see these people, cappers, I won't name names because I'm not going to bash people, but they're giving out. Um, MLB package is X. MLB package is X. Sign up early for a special MLB package. How? How? Like, you don't even know what is going to be happening on the field. And I can tell you right away what the majority of the plays are going to be. They're going to be a Yankees and Dodgers parlay. And again, that's my number one pet peeve in betting, is when there's two huge money line favorites that people parlay together. When I see people do that, it is a huge red flag to me, and it speaks a lot to me about what I think of them as a better, and it's something I would never do and never advise people to do. 
If I'm doing a parlay where I need two separate things to happen in order to get one payout, I am at minimum, at minimum, going to get that two that two point six to one ROI at minimum. Anything less than that is absurd to me. I see these people doing parlays where the ROI is just plus one twenty five, and they're, they're they're talking about finding value. That's idiotic to me. That is beyond idiotic to me, and it speaks a lot to me. And I'm not going to name names and call people out, but, I mean, that's what they're, they're going to do. I would stay away from those people as um, buying their services. But that's just me. You know, then again, it's your guys' money. You can do what you want to do. Um, my plays will probably be free. I probably, honestly, won't start stuff up until football season. Um, with the uncertainty of NBA and now Kyrie's leading the charge of players not playing, which I totally get. Um, people not wanting to play because they're looking out for their safety, I totally get. And all these scares that, you know, the disease is coming back up. Like, I just don't want to go through the thing, which I did in March, where I, you know, I put all that work in and, you know, packages, sending stuff out. And then having to cancel and re redo that. No, I'm just going to wait until stuff settles down. So again, you know, stuff is going to be free for me going forward, probably to the fall. I mean, we're in June right now. You know, I've been giving away the UFC, the EPL, NASCAR stuff for free. Horse racing for free. MLB will be in giving away for free. Those that want my futures, you know, that we locked way back in, way back when. We took the Rays to win it, I think, at 30 to 1, Jays to win at 110 to 1, Padres to win at 50 to 1, and we had the Angels to win at a decent price, like mid 50s, I think, maybe 40 to 1. Those are the teams, I mean, huge premium on the Angels right now with Madden. Madden by far is the best manager in the game. And with these games mattering, managerial skills are going to matter. And those guys, managers that are going to be able to bluff their way to a win will matter. And you have the best player in the game in Trout, the best manager in the game in Madden. So I am very high on the Angels even more now in the shortened season. And I'm really liking that play. Um, so, yeah. And then also, there's a lot of different storylines I think are just getting completely forgotten. How are players going to react with no, no fans? People seem to forget that maybe a player needs that to block everything out, to not be as nervous. But when it's just all these guys playing a game in an empty field, that could be nerve-wracking. And we aren't thinking about that. And then the the sounds, the cadences in the background of, like, beer man, people talking, people cheering, that's not there. Um, the big trade, Mookie Becks, going all the way over to the Dodgers. The injuries that the Yankees have had. Judge, is he, is he even going to be healthy? Paxton, Seriano, the pitching staff. I mean, there's a lot of storylines in MLB that the Astros cheating. Like, they're just kind of getting shoved to a side that everyone's kind of forgetting about because of this COVID-19. Like, personally, what I think Manfield should do is the Astros' punishment, it should be extended to the season at minimum. I thought it was weak to begin with. But now, 
they're only punished for one season. It's like, come on. Come on. But that's here or there. We know that's not going to happen because Manfield's the worst commissioner there is. So, but yeah, like, there's a lot of little storylines that are getting pushed back. And, you know, the season's going to be interesting about what happens. And it's going to be interesting to see, are, like, are sportsbooks going to honor my bets? Like, that Blue Jays plus 110, plus, oh, sorry, 110 to 1 to win it all. I mean, damn, they're a young team that could get hot. But, I mean, the big thing with them is last year, Guerrero, everyone thought Guerrero was going to be a, a huge season, average. Is he going to finally produce this season like he was going to produce last season? That's something to think about. So there's all this little stuff with baseball to think about. It's going to be really intriguing. And then also, the, there's no minor league. There's a trade deadline, but what happens during the trade deadline? You you trade someone for all these prospects, but what uh, are the prospects playing? Like, what are they doing? You know, so people are thinking about that. If some player just gets crazy hot, because, again, the trade deadline, the season, what, is six weeks, seven weeks? The trade deadline is, like, four weeks in? And if someone gets insanely hot... That value is going to skyrocket. You're going to be able to flip them. And, I mean, just think about Bryant was rumored to be traded. Now are, they going to, are the Cubs going to trade him at the trade deadline? I mean, the trade deadline this year is going to be insanely interesting, especially with no minor league teams trading for prospects. What ends if a guy gets hot? There's all that stuff, like, which is insanely interesting to me. And then, on top of that, let's factor in, NBA's coming back. So now you have NBA coming back in Orlando, which, hey, didn't I say that a while ago? Hmm, interesting. But anyway, they're coming back. And how the hell is NBA not broadcasting every single game on national TV? How? They're all playing at the same place. You have numerous TV crews there. Numerous cameramen. Just freaking broadcast the whole fucking thing, dude. With the amount of money ESPN lost and saved, NBA TV lost and saved, TNT lost and saved by not having NBA games to broadcast, so they lost that revenue, but saved by replaying old shit. They should have enough money and need the money to broadcast every single game from Orlando. I don't understand. It makes zero sense to me how you cannot be broadcasting every fucking game from Orlando. Zero cents. Zero, zero, zero cents. But that's just me. I mean, especially TNT. Because TNT lost all that money from NBA season, NBA playoffs, and the NCAA tournament that everyone's forgetting. I don't even know how TNT can still even function right now with the amount of revenue lost. But that's enough about my MLB and uh, NBA rant. Sports are coming back. I mean, NBA and MLB, NFL, when they start, NHL, when they start, they just need to learn how to handle it when someone gets a case. Because let's face it, someone is going to get a case. With the amount of people not wearing masks and not respecting the disease, people are going to get it. And they just have to have a plan in, in case someone contracts the disease. But... Anyway, great show today. You know, like I said last week, very excited. My man, Sterling from Silver Star Sports. If you are not following Sterling, you need to follow 
my man Sterling at Silver Star. Great follow. Great, great, great follow. And, um, you know, break stuff down in depth. Very knowledgeable guy. And he's going to come on. We're going to talk to AFC East. We're going to give our record, our fantasy bust, bold prediction, and fantasy sleeper. So that is there. And he's one of the, like, him and I could probably talk five hours about a team. But um, we condensed it. It's not that long. Um, I think it's only like 50 minutes. So we did our best to hustle through it. Got my MMA picks for tonight. Got another fight card. Um, Then I'm going to tell a story about my current dating life. I know I get a lot of little DMs and asking about that for whatever reason. I have no idea why. I'm just a regular dude with who needs a haircut making it through this world. So, uh, you know, that's... uh, We'll jump in to the MMA stuff, talk to Sterling, tell my dating story, then I'll get out of here. All right, so I'm just going to run through these. Um, like I said, I like to keep this short, keep you guys engaged. Um, I'm just going to run through these. If you guys have any questions why I'm taking these picks, hit me up with DM. I'll give you a breakdown. Um, took Green via decision plus 340. Woodson via decision plus 240. Payne via decision plus 195. Linz minus 115, Griffin plus 110, and Frey plus 165. Um, all of those, except for the Linz, were risking one unit. Linz is obviously risking 1.15 units to win one. That's for the UFC card tonight. So we're bringing Sterling back from Silver Star Sports, and him and I are going to be breaking down different divisions for the next couple weeks. Sterling, how you been? I'm doing pretty good. Happy to have be on. Um, excited to talk some football. I mean, the big question is: Do you think the season's going to start on time? Um, I go back and forth every time. I think we're good. There's a bunch of new cases that open up, and then I'm like, uh. So, did you right s- now I'll say yes, but that'll probably change here. Did bit. Did you see those masks that they had with lately? Like, kind of looked like a like a stormtrooper mask with like the little mouthpiece with a breathing like apparatus. Are they really considering that as what what's that doctor's name? Really? Fauci? When Fauci came out and said like he doesn't think they should play NFL. NFL got right on it, and I'll give him credit cuz they're actually doing stuff unlike MLB who's just worried about getting paid. And they um they came out with those helmets. So I I mean I think they're just gun ho about going on with it. NFL is So, I mean, those masks look pretty cool to me. But um, we're going to start off with the AFC East. And um, the first team we're going to talk about is obviously one of the teams that's getting a lot of the buzz, and that's the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, they're 25-1 to to win the Super Bowl, 12-1 to to win the um, AFC, plus 125 to win the AFC East. Over-under is at 9. Obviously, their key addition is Stephon Diggs. Their defense was insane last year. They finished third in yards per game, fourth in passing yards, tenth in rushing yards per game, second in points per game. Um, Offense, you know, offense, 16th in total offense, 26th in passing, eight in rushing. So obviously the big ad was Stefan Diggs. But when I look at this team, like, to me, Stefan Diggs, that isn't really the missing piece. What, What do you think of this team? Um, I like this team. I have them at ten and six going okay. this year. Um, the defense, oh, 
always one of the best defenses in the league. Um, Stephon Diggs, it really, really helps to get Josh Allen, number one receiver. But I don't know, I don't know if this team is going to win more than one playoff game. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I put them up against the likes of Baltimore or Kansas City, yeah, they can give them a game, but I don't trust Josh Allen yet. This year will be really important just to see how he does with a true uh, wide receiver threat outside, but I'm still not convinced his accuracy is just too inconsistent. So I was looking, I'm, I'm working on this big fantasy draft guide, and I found this stat out about ja- Josh Allen. He didn't throw for over 270 yards in a game, and there were eight quarterbacks last year that averaged at minimum 270 yards a game. And now, I live in Chicago, so I'm knee-deep in all the Mitch Trubisky hate. Mitch Trubisky threw for more yards than Josh Allen did. I mean... That that really stuck out to me when I was doing my, my research. What um, I mean, let's talk about Allen a little bit. Obviously, his accuracy is um, worrisome, and you could really see it inside the ten. I felt last year because he would always he wouldn't throw to that tight window. You know what I mean? He led the team in rushing attempts inside the ten yard line because it looked to me like he would just look. His first read wasn't there, and he'd just run. I mean. I kind of feel yeah, for take off. yeah. I kind of feel like, like you said, that's going to be the thing that kind of holds them back, holds them back, and that's the big thing. Is he going to be able to take that next step forward? Um, what do you think of the rookie Zach Moss? Um, as I was preparing, like my notes on the Bills, you said to do like a fantasy football bust and a fantasy yeah. football sleeper. Yeah. So my bust is going to be Devin Singletary because okay. I feel like Zach Moss is already at his level. Yeah. When I compare them as running backs, they're just equally as good as each other already. Um, so I think it's going to be like a running back by committee. Okay. And I really like Zach Moss. So I think he'll split carries. I may not draft him high, but like in a dynasty fantasy league, I think he would be a good pickup. Yeah, because when... Actually, that's funny because my my fantasy surprise because that's what we're doing. We're we're talking about fantasy a little bit more. Is Zach Moss leads the team in rushing touchdowns? I think he's gonna yeah, get would not be surprised. I think he's gonna get more of the um, goal line work. And he had this quote, and he goes, "If you try to tackle me, you're making a bad business decision." And personally, I love that quote, and it really speaks a lot about him. And he based, I think of him, and when we did our draft review, I think both of us compared him to a Frank um, Frank Gore Jr. A little, a little, a little tough guy that can get those yards and everything. And my draft bust is actually, I'm sorry, Stephon Diggs. I just don't think that Allen's going to be getting the ball to him enough, and. Buffalo, like I said, was 26 in, in passing, and they're just not that big of a um, a throwing team. And that defense usually keeps them – they're usually ahead in most of the games and looking to run out the clock, so I don't really know how much they're going to be able to throw the ball. I actually have them at 8-8 eight and eight this year. I'm not as high on them as others. I'm really looking forward to that Thursday night game, home against Kansas City. Yeah. I mean, I'm really going to look forward. Mahomes, prime time. That's going to be pretty good. Um, and then 
my bold prediction is I'm going to say Josh Allen gets benched in one game. What, what about you? Yeah, that was similar to mine. I said Buffalo realizes after this year Josh Allen is in the answer. Okay. And so they give Jake Fromm a game. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I'm not sure if you're a betting man like myself. Um, any of those bets I said I, I said at the beginning about the over nine to win the East, to win the AFC, or to win the Super Bowl, any of those stick out to you? Uh, I don't. I don't really do betting, so I'm not really too familiar with it, to be honest with you. Okay. But I do have them at ten and six, so I'm taking the over. Okay. Personally. Okay. But because I just think that I don't know, they're a tough place to go in and play with that weather, and they run the ball, they play defense well, and then they finally got Josh on a weapon. Whether Diggs will be everything that they hyped him up to be, I don't know. Because I can see already it's going to be like week seven, and then Josh Allen is going to miss Diggs on a routine slant, and Diggs is just going to be fed up already. I can already see that happening. Oh, but. Diggs is such a prima donna. And I mean, it's kind of funny. I kind of feel like with Josh Allen, people think he's better than he actually is just because of the fantasy numbers he puts up. I did see this one list the other day. It was talking about top five players on each team. And it had Josh Allen as, like, the fourth best player of the Bills. Wow. I was like, what? Like, I don't know. I feel like the Bills team, they do it more in spite of Josh Allen rather than. I mean, that back four they have, because they signed, um, God, who they signed? They signed Norman, and Norman does fit good under the cover, too. Um, That back four is going to be just so hard to pass on. They have a good pass rush. I mean, God, he made he was who who do you know, remember who did the list or? Um, it was some sports account on Instagram, but it had plenty of followers, so it was a well looked at little list, well respected. And I was like, wow, people really think Josh Allen is much better than he is. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of feel that those numbers. I don't know that people kind of look at them, look at um, the fantasy numbers, and kind of equip make that real football because we both know fantasy football. And um, real football are two different things. Absolutely. Um, so the next team we're going to talk about is the team that's probably lost the most is the um, New England Patriots. I have the Patriots going eight and eight. Their Super Bowl prop is twenty-five to one to win it all, twelve to one to win the AFC, plus one fifty-five to win the East. Their win total is eight point five. I mean, their big ad was. Adrian Phillips, the DB, I mean, but they lost Bradley, Van Noy, Dorsett, Collins, Shelton. Um, Their defense was insane last year. Um, Number one in yards per game, number two in passing yards per game, six in rushing yards per game, number one in points per game. Offense, eighth in passing, eighth in total offense, and 18th in rushing offense. I mean... I guess the big question I have for you is, did the Pat was Pat's defense put up that good of numbers because they are that good, or because the level of competition they played last year? I think the Pat's defense—they um, definitely benefited from the competition they played. I think that that's going to be an anomaly. They're not going to be as dominant as um, they were last year. Um, going back to fantasy football already, they're my bust for this year because I feel like, like people are going to take them way higher than they 
should take a defense. Like I think about the Jaguars team that was super dominant on defense or the Bears team that was super dominant on defense. Like every year people overdraft them the next year expecting the same results. Um, and when you have that good a season, it's almost like there's no place to go than down. Yeah, exactly. Only allowed 14 points a game. Like that's not that's insane. likely to happen again. Yeah. That's insane. Um, and then, I mean, I guess the million-dollar question is, what will the playbook look like this year for them? Will they run more? Will they take more down-the-field shots? Um, like we were talking about earlier, I run a lot in the morning, and like when I run is come up, kind of when I come up with my crazy thought of the day. And my crazy thought of the day earlier the week was, now since they have a quarterback that can actually throw the ball, are they going to go more more goal routes because Brady's arm strength we everyone could obviously see was was gone and Stitham he kind of has like a, a funky motion it's not an over the top it's a little bit more um sidearm so I really don't know if he's going to be able to get down the field but what do you think kind of like the um the offense will look like um I think they'll run the ball but I think <sighs> I could also see, like, Nikhil Harry having, like, a big season or something like that as they try to open up the playbook with Stidham. Mm-hmm. But I think they'll stick to um, the ground for the earlier weeks, you know, see how Stidham plays with a simplified play- playbook, like play him like he's a backup at first, and then see what he does with that, and then make change based on it. I mean, um, like, the main thing for me is... And now I, this is my this is my big dating philosophy in life too. Actions speak louder than words. So the fact that the Patriots didn't sign Newton, didn't trade for or sign Dalton, didn't draft the quarterback tells me they really like what they got in this kid. Yeah. I mean, um, I, what do you think he'll be this year? Like, what do you expect from him? I mean, when I first did my initial projections and rankings I mean I kept the I had them at the bottom but then like when I went on this run this like last like midweek I'm slowly starting to make them kind of like a um I had his number similar to where um what's his face what Andy Dalton was when Dalton took over just someone that doesn't really turn the ball over um conservative playbook leans on the number one wide receiver and I think he's going to kind of lean on um Edelman more going across the middle, I mean, and take the shots at Harry. The um, the offensive line is going to be better because Wilson and God, who is that guy who was out last year? They got both those guys back this year. Um, so I, I think they are going to run it a lot to set up the play action, but I do think they're going to take a couple um, more shots downfield. I have them at eight and eight. What do you have them at? I have them at nine and seven. Okay. Uh, a couple of my thoughts about this team is I think I see a lot of people put them at 7-9 and nine or missing the playoffs and I think people are like forgetting how important your coach and your culture is in the NFL like football is not a game where you just slap names together and then expect it to work if that were the case the Browns would have been in the Super Bowl last year mm-hmm. um, yeah this team lost Brady but I still think they're gonna like we said they're gonna defend well maybe not to the extent that they did last year they're going to control the time of possession. They're going to run the football well. Um, 
and they're going to master the, all the small details, which is going to make them a playoff team, um, in my mind, at least. And I mean, if my you... Fans, oh, sorry. Sorry. Go. No, no. Um, yeah, say what you're saying. Oh, no. I was going to say, if you look at their schedule, and, like, we don't know if they're going to have fans in the stadium in the stadiums or not, and, I mean, that Week 2 game, personally, I think they lose that game in Seattle because that's going to be Stitham's first start on the road. But if they play that game with no fans, that's really going to change my mind a lot because that Seattle defense, and we'll get to the AFC West later, I think is a little overrated, and not having that noise, I think that's going to help Stitham. And then they got the Chiefs week, um, was that, week four? So, I mean, if they could play those games without fans, I think that would actually help the Patriots a lot more than yeah, if definitely. the fans were there at Gillette. You know what I mean? Just because then there's a more of a premium on coaching and execution, like you said. And, I mean, I'm sure both of us would have Big Bill at the top of our coaching rankings. And, yes, absolutely. You know, especially in this era we're at when we don't really know how much preseason we're going to get, when you have the culture, like you said, already built in and the players already building in, buying into it, that's uh, – that's huge. Um, so what what's your bold prediction for them? I'm going to say they make the playoffs and they upset whoever is the two seed. Ooh. Okay. So my bold prediction, I say they start the season two and three going into the bye. They decide to sign Cam Newton and Cam leads them to the playoffs. I would love to see that. Okay. And then fantasy bust, who you got? Um, like I said earlier, it's the Pats defense. Okay. I'm trying to find the stat. I can't find it right now. But they were forced. Oh, they had 36 takeaways, which was good enough for second in the league. That's insane. Um, and then they had, I can't find the stat right now. But they had returned a lot of those picks and fumbles for touchdowns. And I don't know. Just relying on that from a year-to-year basis is not a smart game. So, um and I think people will draft them way before they need to, before filling out other holes in their roster. So they're my bust. And my sleeper is going to be James White. Because I feel like, well, for all we know right now, Jared Stidham's like a backup level quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and I feel like whenever a backup caliber QBs play in the NFL, they play it safe. So they're going to look for their reliable slot receiver like Edelman, or they're going to throw to their safety valve at the backfield like James White. So, okay. All right. Well, yeah. I actually, I actually have James White as my bust. I just feel that really um, the Brady just went to him so much last year, and just just the, his number of targets are just going to drop. And um, I don't know if you remember. Do you remember that game they played on a Sunday night, New England at um, Houston, and. All the Houston's defense did was they just took away White, and Brady was, like, lost. So I just feel that he's not going to be – he's not going to have the quarterback looking for him as much as he did last year. My fantasy breakout or stud, I think Sonny Michelle is going to be a top 20 running back. I think he got most of the um, blame last year for his lack of production. But they were without two starting offensive linemen. And when you lose that much talent on the offensive line, that just has an effect on everything. And that really hurt that run game. I really think 
they're going to, like you said at the beginning of the season, they're going to ground and pound a lot until Stitham gets um, his footing. And I just think Michelle's just in line to have a huge season. So, okay. So now we're going to jump into the old J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And something tells me, like, with the teams with the Jets and the, uh, especially the Dolphins, because of my Tua hate, we're going to spend a lot more time on those teams. But Jets are <laughs> yeah, 90. I have to... way more notes on both those teams. Than oh, the hell first yeah. <laughs> so um, Jets were 90-1 to to win the Super Bowl, 38-1 to to win the AFC, 7-1 to to win the AFC East, over under 6.5. Um, their big ads were... Um, Perryman at the wide receiver, and they added Fant, McCoven, and Van Rutten to help the offensive line. Defense, 7th in yards per game, 17th in passing yards per game. This one surprised me. They were 2nd in rushing yards per game and 16th in points per game. Offense was awful. 32 total offense, 29th passing offense, 31st rushing offense. I mean, I went through the schedule for the Jets, and I have them limping to a five and eleven. What? That's, yeah, that's exactly what I have them. Um, but before we talk too much about their team, what do you think is going to happen with Jamal Adams? I mean, a I would fire Adam Gase because I think Jamal Adams is one of the top seven defensive guys in the league. And you have him, he's still on his rookie deal, and that gives you insane cap flexibility. I think when you have a talent like that, and I mean, would you say he's a generational talent? I mean, I think he's close to it with the potential to be it. He and Derwin James are my two favorite players in the NFL because you watch them every Sunday. And I'm just amazed at what they can do. Like, mm-hmm. they can line up anywhere on the defense and be effective. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, I would agree with you. I would fire Adam Gase. He hasn't really shown me anything. But, I mean, but, um, like, I guess my thing is, like, is when you have someone like this, and it's not just him that has problems with Gase. From what I've read, it's majority of people. And you're supposed to be yeah. this quote-unquote offensive genius. And you're a 32nd in total offense when there's 32 NFL teams. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? And you have the best player on the team saying he he can't stand the coach. I'm going to side with the player here. I I think they should definitely keep him and get rid of Gates, but that's obviously not what they're going to do. I mean, the big thing for me looking at this team is Darnold got his ass kicked last year. I mean, over two years, he's been sacked over 60 times. And my philosophy is if the quarterback doesn't take that next step between years one and two, it just doesn't happen for him because he can't see the, he can't see what's happening. He can't process. He can't see the routes, read the defense, all that stuff. And I just feel like overall, Sam Darnold didn't take that big step from year one to year two. What what do you think about Darnold? Um, I, I did a post on Darnold the other day, and it's just it's such a mixed bag. I feel like um, he's been given a bad hand going to the Jets organization as a one, but the wide receiver core 
hasn't really been healthy. His best wide receiver has been a deep threat in Robbie Anderson, who's gone now. Um, Quincy Anunua can never stay healthy. Um, Jameson Crowder, he and they had a pretty good uh, connection last year, but that's about it. O-line has been abysmal. And then just a bad culture. But he's still shown some signs. But I can't say he's going to be the franchise quarterback they expect him to be because they haven't surrounded him with anything. And he's just looked pedestrian in some games. I mean, straight out bad, straight out bad some games where he's seeing ghosts. I have oh that seeing ghost comment did it for me. I I'll be honest. I'd rather have Mitch Trubisky start than Sam Darnold. I mean, I'll say it. I'd rather have Mitch Trubisky start than Sam Darnold. And I don't know about that only because I feel like Sam Darnold offers like true elite potential from game to game. Like the Cowboys game, there's some games where he looks like a dominant player, but then some games he looks like a third string quarterback but I mean like I mean you said the word like potential I've never seen a player with like because of potential always get a pass yeah he does I did mention that in my post too and like like my thing like Colin Cowherd posted this thing about um most talented wide quarterbacks or whatever and I made this thing about Darnold shouldn't have been on the list I mean, I've I'm still getting direct DMs of about call, people calling me an idiot, saying Darnold makes two good throws a game, two. Like what? Like you're telling me he makes two good throws a game? That means he's a special player. Um, for me, you got to kind of do it when the lights are on, and he hasn't done that. Um, when I look at the Trubisky and um, Darnold comparison, you have to remember, like when they are in that playoff game. Trubisky drove them down, and they scored, and they took the lead in that playoff game against the Eagles two years ago. It was. I remember that. Yeah. You know what I mean. And then the and then the um, Bears defense, which was the top defense, gave gave up the lead, and then he drove them down again in field goal position to win the game. So I mean, Trubisky put his team in a position to win in a playoff game. Darnold, I mean. How many wins did they have last year? Six? Um, they they actually went seven and six under Darnold when Darnold played. Because remember, he had that mono thing oh, yeah, last yeah. year. Dar- so it's, it's impressive that they had a winning record considering yeah. how bad their team is when he played. I mean, I I don't know. I'm just not I'm just not a Darnold guy. I mean, I just think he's done. I just think he's kind of like a guy. Um, I just think they'll move on from him eventually, as they don't. I don't know. Um, but. But they they have improved their O line. I mean, they made those, they they made three signings and they signed um, Mikel Beckham. And I know um, you and I talked about Beckham a, a lot during our draft review and draft preview. Um, I guess, do you think Beckham's going to be that guy that's going to be there for ten years and just protecting the blind side or or not? No, no, not at all. Really do I? Um, I feel like Beckham and Mims that they bought in that wide receiver. Um, they're both boomer bus guys who aren't really going to have the impact they want them to have this year. You know, um, they're both physical, athletic freaks mm-hmm. that um, just need some tuning to their game, and it's, they're not going to be there year one. Beckton, long term, yeah, sure, he could be a starting tackle in this league, but I don't think he's going to be like dominant like most people expect him to be. I mean, do you think at the end of the end of the road when he's done do you think if I put his career next to Jason Peters who do you think would have a better career 
no, Jason Peters. I don't think he'll get to Jason Peters, though. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I agree 100%. And I'm seeing certain people hyping this guy up like he is going to be better than Peters at the end of the line. Um, in regards to Mims, my, my thing with Mims is he's going to be the rookie wide receiver now. So that means, the student, obviously the rookie, excuse me, the top wide receiver in the offense. I mean, would you say that? The, the number one. So now oh, you the have, outside guy, yeah. Yeah. So now you have that means he's going against Gilmore twice a year. So when you're that top wide receiver and you're a rookie going against like these physical shutdown corners, um not only Gilmore, it's got like Gilmore, Trey White from yeah. the Bills, we got um, a great cornerback duo and the Dolphins got Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, so Yes. So, I mean, him putting up those numbers, I totally agree with you, are going to be hard because he's going to be fighting the top DBs on every team they play against. And plus, he had he had issues separating at the line against Big 12 DBs. How is he going to do that against, like, White, Gilmore, the, the guys from um, Miami? You know, I mean, it's going to be... It's going to be tough for him to get that separation. I mean, they also play the 49ers. They play the Colts. I mean, it's going to be... Yeah. It's going to be hard for him. Um, I think, I mean, we both have him going at 5-11. and 11. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, Mims is my fantasy bust. Who, who's your fantasy bust? Um, Le'Veon Bell is actually my fantasy bust. Okay. Because I feel like he doesn't offer um, the consistency you would want out of, like, what is he going to be, like a top 6-7 pick because mm-hmm. people value running backs in fantasy. Um, Gase, I forgot the number specifically, but yeah, they're 32nd in total offense, but they're also like near the bottom of the league in terms of pace oh, of yeah. offense. And so I I just don't feel confident in feeling that he's going to return that better, the investment you're going to spend on him. And they also, and this move like struck me as like, dude, like what the hell are you doing? They signed old man Frank Gore. Yeah. So is Gore going to take away from those um, goal line carries too? I mean, that's another thing. And then didn't who's the guy, the um, kid from Florida? He's basically going to be irrelevant now. Um, yeah. Got him. His brother plays. Well, Michael Piran. Yeah, he's going to be irrelevant now. So I mean that that signing didn't make sense. I, I totally agree with that one with you. Um, my fantasy sleeper is Mister Consistency, the man under the middle, James Crowder. I mean, this, ah, that's mine too. He just—it's it, just crazy because year after year, he just gets seventy catches, four TDs, and like eight hundred to nine hundred yards. I mean, just year after year after year, he just doesn't matter if it's in New York or in DC. Good quarter, uh, average quarterback, a crappy quarterback. I mean, he's just—he—he he just puts it up year after yeah. year. Um, he and Darnold, like I said, they had a really good connection, but like. The play would break down, and Crowder would know exactly where to go to like find the football, mm-hmm. and that's invaluable for like a young quarterback. So I really look forward to what they do with another year under their belt together. So bold prediction time. What's your bold prediction? All right, I said Gase gets fired after an 0-4 start. Oh, okay. Um, my thinking behind this is they open at Buffalo. Yeah. Um, that's a tough game. Then they host the Super Bowl runner-up 49ers, mm-hmm. and they travel to Indianapolis. 
and then they're home against Denver. All four of those teams will at least be in the playoff hunt. Um, So I think that's a tough ask. And then Gase is already on the hot seat, I feel like. So they fire him after an 0-4 start. So we're we're kind of the same. Because I say they start 3-7. and Going into the bye, they fire Gaze. And the James Morgan era begins. Really? You and think he, so? And he's going to get... And he's going to win his first two games. They're going to win the game against Miami, win the game against the Raiders, then I have them losing four in a row. But um, that that's what I think. I just think, to me, you... They have the Jets have a lot of holes in that roster. I feel, still, and well, they they spent a six round pick on Morgan. You're not going to spend a six round pick on Morgan. You know what I mean? When you have uh-huh. when you can get like even worse. I'm pretty sure it was a fourth round pick. Of oh, it was a fourth round pick. God, I am out of it, man. My bad. But I mean, but that's my point. You could have got an even better player. To me, that speaks volumes of what they actually feel about Darnold because they're not going to waste that pick unless. Dar- they feel Dar- Darnold. There, there's a doubt Darnold isn't the guy. So, um, um, go ahead. Hold on one second. Before, uh, I'm getting ready to release my 32 team power rankings, and I already know Jets fans are going to come come after me for the five and eleven record because they're going to say, "Oh, we went seven and nine last year with Darnold and played 13 games." But I, I don't know. Like this team just has so many holes and. Um, if they, especially if they ship off Jamal Adams, like a, my outlook on them is just going to change. Like, uh, so. But I mean, like I you, say. you hit it on the head. I mean, like if, like, do you have the schedule in front of you? Um, I, I can pull it up real quick. But I also ESPN's FBI. They have the second hardest schedule in the league. Uh huh. Like, that's. I mean. It, like, you're totally right. I mean, like, you look at their schedule at Buffalo. You and I agree. There's no way they're going to... I I cannot see them winning that game. With uh-huh. with the home opener, Bills Mafia, I can't see them winning that game. No. Then they have the 49ers. Okay, the 49ers have that pass rush. Um, They're going to be able to run the ball. You know, I don't see them beating San Francisco. Even though they're playing San Francisco... Like at home, I don't see them. I don't see them winning that game. Okay, and then they go at Indy. Indy is one of the teams I'm highest on. Okay, I don't know how you are at Indy, but I, I, am, I have them winning the AFC South. Just a spoiler. Oh, I mean, I I do too. So we so like we we both agree we're really high on Indy. So I mean, that's probably an 0 three start. I mean, I actually have them winning that game against the Broncos. Only because the I have the Broncos beating Tampa Bay and then traveling on the short week to play that Thursday game. That's the okay. only reason I have them winning that game. Okay, and then um, and then their next game is at home against the um, Cardinals. Against the Cards, I actually i I have them winning that game. Do you have them winning that game or losing that game? Uh-huh. I have them winning that game finally because yeah. they fired Gase and they get a new coach in there. Okay, so, I mean, my thing is I have them, I have them winning that game because, I mean, that's that stretch when we'll get to the Card- Cardinals have four, three East Coast teams on the road. 
and that's the middle game between the Monday night game and the Cowboys. So, I mean, that's two situational wins. Then they travel out to play that Chargers defense. There's no way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't see them winning that. Jeez, look, the schedule's even tougher than I thought. Or, I mean. And you got the Bills, Chiefs, Patriots. You know, I just, I just don't. And then look at the end. At Seattle, at the Rams, Browns, Patriots, Patriots, I mean, with this schedule, like, people can come at at you or at me because we both have them 5-11, but honestly, where are there seven wins? And then also, one thing we didn't even really talk about, but Jets really have no true pass rushers, like, consistently. And in today's league, you need a consistent edge guy to get to the quarterback. And if you're not pressuring or rushing the passer, you better have a great, great secondary, which I don't feel like they have. But I mean, like, and we'll we'll get to this, like, at the next team, but I always feel like, a case in point, I'll use Xavier Rhodes as a perfect example. As soon as the Vikings' pass rush got worse after, like, he had his breakout season, Rhodes didn't look as good. A good pass rusher can make a secondary look good. Like, Absolutely. And, I mean, you hit it on the head. They, their pass rushing is awful and I mean I'm working on my offensive line rankings they're toward the bottom in that and I just they have a lot of holes I mean you and I both like I kind of like their draft you like their draft right yeah I did like their draft actually I mean I think they're building in the right direction but I just (laughs) Gase needs to go they need to get let Darnold go and they basically just need to do a little reboot. Not a rebuild, just a little reboot at some key positions. Um, but that schedule, I mean, when you look at that schedule, that's that's brutal, dude. Um, so now you get now we're gonna talk about one of the hotter teams. Um, this team is getting a lot of love. Um, the Miami Dolphins. I mean, obviously everyone's gonna say the big addition was Tua. Um, they did add um, Noy from the Patriots, Howard, Jones, Lawson, Flowers. I mean, looking at their defense, their defense, 29th in total defense, 26th pass, passing defense, 27th rushing defense, 32nd points per game. Offense, they were 24th in total, 12 in passing, 31 in rushing. Um, 31st, yeah, 31 in rushing, excuse me. Um, they are 100 to 1 to win it all, 40 to 1 to win the AFC seven to one to win the East over under six and a half. I mean, let's go through the schedule real quick. I mean, I have them starting zero and three. I'm fin. I mean, I actually am going four and twelve. I have them starting zero and three. What, what, uh, what, what do you have them working with? I have them five and eleven. Okay. Um, I have to look at their schedule to remember how they got to that, but um. I mean, uh, let me just say my thoughts about this team. So okay. I think that overall they're going to have a lot of reasons to be optimistic. They, Flores did a wonderful job year one. Mm-hmm. But if we're looking at their roster, like not too long ago we were saying it's possibly one of the worst rosters we've seen in a long time in NFL history. Like the reason Flores was a coach of the year candidate for some after winning only five games is because that roster was just so bad. And yes, they brought a lot of bodies in. Um, 
addressed a lot of positions with the cap space they had, but there's still some clear holes and still like a lot of potential that actually needs to be realized before. I've seen some people put them at like seven and nine, eight and eight. I just think there's a long way to go before they're that team. Well, actually a year away at least. No. I mean, back to my the point we were talking about earlier, for me, football starts in the trenches. And, um, like, I value stuff when I look at fantasy embedding. I kind of look at the defensive line, offensive line injuries more than I look at anything else. Um, I just think they're really bad at the O-line and defensive line and pass rush just isn't that good. And Yeah, their pass rush is bad. I mentioned it before. Like, like granted, they got Jones from um, Cowboys. Cowboys. Um, they drafted that kid from um, Auburn. Um, and who's the other guy? That, I'm spacing on the other guy who's back there. Uh, Xavier Howard. Yeah. So the, that's three decent guys. But with how the NFL is shaped right now with the rules, you can only cover somebody for so long. Yeah, good corners can't cover forever. Yeah, Someone's because like open, you can't hand fight, you can't grab. You can only cover someone for so long. And... I mean, I just think that lack of the pass rush is going to hurt those guys. And I think it's just going to be a long, a long season. And the offensive line is going to be, um, you know, it's going to be whoever starts back there, and I think they'd be foolish to start Tua or rush Tua to start, is going to take a beating just because that offensive line, that's not that good. I mean, they're. I think I have about. I am at thirty-one in my offensive line rankings off the, off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think I was. I don't know. I've started to piece together some of my rankings as I'm looking at them. I have them 30, 30th or thirty-first. I can't remember offhand. I mean, they're just. They're. So hypothetically, let's say Tua does play, and you have a short quarterback who's not really going to be able to see over the offensive line constantly having a pass rush in his face while um, nursing a bad ankle, bad hip, you know, bad everything. You know, that to me, that just has disaster written all over it. I'm a coach. For me, when, with my students, I always put them in a position to succeed. And by having Tua start behind that offensive line, you're not putting them in a position to succeed. Another thing I think a lot of Dolphins fans are overlooking is they brought in a lot of pieces for the O-line, which is great to get O-line depth, but you can't just smack that together and expect it to, like, to be a to cohesive gel. unit. Yeah, um, yeah. they brought in Flowers, Kindley, Hunt, um, and a bunch of other guys in some space now right now, but that O-line, to be a good O-line, it takes like practice in the pretty season and Stuff that I don't Reps. know uh, how much they're going to get to work on that before Reps. the season. So, uh, but I mean, like you mentioned, Hunt. I mean, I Hunt was one of the guys that I loved, and I think that by far, not even close, was their best pick they made. Getting that kid who's going to be in the interior of that line, that was a huge pick for them. I, I think he's going to be an easily a twelve-year starter in the league. Um, let's go um, now. I personally, now you may call me crazy here, I was kind of trying to figure out when I think Tua will start, okay? Mm-hmm. So 
I'll I'll just read off the schedule. This is how I this is how I played it. They start off at New England. I have that as a loss. New England is a revenge game because of that whole playoff thing that happened last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Buffalo at home, I have as a loss. They travel to Jacksonville in the short week, Thursday night game. I actually have them losing that game. So they're 0-3. Okay, so already now people are saying let's start Tua. Because, I mean, that jersey sales that they were putting out were insane. They have Seattle at home. I, I don't have them. I actually have them winning that game because that game for Seattle, they play the Cowboys and the they play the Cowboys at home, and then they um, go to Miami, then come back and play the Vikings. So it's kind of that sandwich pot, and they have to travel uh-huh. east and back west. So I actually have them winning that game, okay, and then um, losing at at um, the 49ers, losing at the Broncos, and then they come home for two games. The Chargers defense, I think, is actually going to be really good this year and kind of a sleeper team in terms of fantasy defense. So I think they're going to – Fitzpatrick will play that game. They'll lose, and at that time, what is that? I have them at one – one and six, and Tua will start November first at home against the Rams. Okay. What do you think about that? Um, my bold prediction was um, was also about Tua and when he starts. I say he wins his first game on the road uh, against the Broncos. Oh. Like it doesn't take. No. Okay. Yeah, which doesn't make sense, but I feel like teams get. An unnecessary like fire lit, or well, not unnecessary, but a, a fire lit under there, and whenever they have a rookie quarterback start, so I think, um, yeah, it will be a tough game. But I don't know, bold prediction. But I mean, the thing is kind of like this: is like you look at the quarterbacks that have been successful. Um, like, I think look at Mahomes. Mahomes, like what he played one week his rookie year. You know, I mean, that's what they should do with Tua. I mean, I just think, I just think the kid's gonna take a beating behind that offensive line. And I'm already not a big fan of his mechanic-wise, like his throwing motion. And I mean, I've you and I have talked numerous times about my Tua hate, so I'm not gonna burn your ear about that. But um, I just think he has an uphill battle. My bold prediction is um, Tua, Tua wins his first game, and then. Um, I, I put sucks the rest of the year. That was my bold prediction. <laughs> he wins the first game, and then after that, I have him winning the game against the Jets and the game against the Patriots. I mean, like you said at the beginning, I just think the the talent is just not there in this team. Um, my fantasy bust I put is Parker. I really feel that Parker's that guy that everyone was really high on, but never really reached his potential, and. Yeah. O'Shea came in last year. He's their offensive coordinator. He's the wide receiver coach. Oh, my God, in um, Cleveland now. And I just felt like O'Shea was able to get the most out of Parker with him not there now. And then if Tua comes in, is Tua going to have that chemistry with Parker that Fitzpatrick did? I don't know. Uh, Who would you put for the bust? Parker was also my bust for much of the same reasons. Like, um... For so long, people were waiting on Parker to show the uh, potential they thought he had as an early-round pick. Um, and he hadn't done it until last year. 
and I'm sort of one of those guys when it returns comes to fantasy football, like I want to see it again. Like you know, um, I want to see consistency. I, yeah. I don't really believe in one year wonders, but um, I think he can do it. But I think Fitzpatrick needs to be his quarterback to do it. I feel like Fitzpatrick fits his play style perfectly because he's a big physical wide receiver, can win those jump balls. Um, and Fitzpatrick's more of a gunslinger, like, I don't care, you go up and get this 50-50 ball, you know. Whereas Tua, much more conservative, and Tua will need a learning curve anyway because he's used to playing like in a 7-on-7 drill at Alabama where he's got elite wide receivers and elite O-line, you know. Um, I don't think it'll click with Parker as much. Yep. I think so. I was kind of thinking about that, like, because, I mean, I know for me with fantasy, like, I put all my notes and I have, like, target this guy when this guy starts. I'm going to look for Albert Wilson just because, like you said, to a, a lot more precise. I'm envisioning a lot more quick slants like they did at um, at Bama. Um, so Albert Wilson, I kind of think, could take a step up, but he's not my – um. He's not my sleeper stud. Um, I just think he offers value when Tua comes in. For my sleeper stud, I kind of like Matt Breida just because he's the better pass catcher between him and Howard. And I just feel that the um, Dolphins are going to be playing from behind a lot this year. Mm, I can see that. Um, between Breida and Howard, the only reason I'm concerned a little bit about them is just because the blocking up front is just going to be so bad. Yeah. I I don't know how they they'll do that or how well they'll do, but I could see that definitely him getting catches out of the backfield PPR leagues. Who um, um, my fantasy football sleeper? I really thought about putting Albert Wilson. Like I wrote hey. Albert Wilson down at first, but I changed it to Mike Gesicki, a tight okay. end. Um, yeah, I feel like Tua is going to be much more conservative. Throw it to the middle of the field, you know. Throw it to the backfield. Um, and Gasicki, I look at him, and sometimes I, just, I see the talent to be like a top tier tight end, but it just, he's so inconsistent. Like, he doesn't put it all together from week to week, and sometimes he's really bad at doesn't block, you know. But as a receiving tight end, he can create those mismatch problems, which I think Tua will really love and help become his new favorite pet, per se, you know, to throw to. Um, and I think this is the year he finally puts it all on display, much like Parker did last year. So, I mean, the million-dollar question is, do you feel, let's fast-forward, it's 2020 right now, let's fast-forward to um, 2027. Do you feel by then the Dolphins will have won the AFC East? There's so many variables to that question, but I believe in Flores enough to where I think I think they will. All right. let, now let me reword it. Let, now let me reword it. Do you feel by 2027, Tua can lead them to the AFC East title? I'm not as big on Tua hate as you are, mm-hmm. but if, it just depends on how much they play him how much they play him behind this rickety old line, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think he'll survive till 2027 if that's the case, you know? I mean, like, with the injuries he has, if he, if he takes that beating, that's going to be rough for him. And, like, I don't – how can I wear this? I'm not rooting for him to fail. I just don't see, like, how he can succeed with the flaws he has in his game. Because 
I mean, I feel, like I said it earlier, um, part of being a coach is putting players in a position to succeed, but the player has to be in the right system to succeed. I feel like if Tua was more in a West Coast dink and duck, duck game, kind of like um, what Oakland has, like kind of like the Gruden West Coast, I think he could be more successful in that system than the, this Chan Gailey offensive system. So, um, well, Sterling, thank you for coming on, talking about the AFC East. You know, we're going to do one division a week and just kind of, like, shoot our ideas and everything. Um, so let's just run through it. I have the Patriots going 8-8, eight and eight, winning the division, owning a tiebreaker over the Bills, who are 8-8, eight and eight, the Jets 5-11, and 11, and the Finns 4-12. and 12. Um, How did you have the division breaking out again? All right, I got the Bills number one at ten and six, um, Patriots nine and seven. Um, the Dolphins and Jets are both going to be five and eleven, but I have the Dolphins actually um, getting the slight edge and being third in the division okay. by tiebreaker. All right, all right. So thank you for coming on. We look forward to talking to you next week. Um, I'll let you know what I picked the AFC East. I'm gonna let you pick the next one we do, my man. Who, what, do you, what do you want to cover next, dude? Um, I'll let you know right now. I'm really interested in our AFC South. You want to do the South? Uh-huh. All right, so let's do the AFC South next. So next week we'll be covering the AFC South. Um, thanks for coming on. Why don't you tell everybody um where they can find you? Okay, um, you can find me on. Instagram at Silver Star Sports. So that's Silver Star underscore Sports. Um, post there pretty frequently, trying to get back to posting more and more. But um, you can also find me on Twitter at SS underscore Sport uh, underscore. Haven't used that too much, but really looking to break into the Twitter game and get some new followers. So I love thank you again for having me, though. Hey, thanks for coming on. Um, Enjoy coming on. Very knowledgeable. Have a lot of thoughts. We agree sometimes. Sometimes we don't dis- We don't agree. Um, but that's what makes it fun, though, because each of us can have an opinion and then kind just kind of see how stuff plays out. Um, definitely follow my man. He is a must-follow. He does in-depth breakdowns, great knowledge, really knows what he's talking about. Um, we are going to convince him that Tua sucks, though. That's going to be my goal for this NFL year. So... Um, Thanks for coming on, and we'll talk next week about the uh, AFC South. So thanks again for Sterling for coming on. Um, great follow. If you guys aren't following him, make sure you do. Great follow at uh, Silver Star Sports. Also, you know, I just want to say thanks to everyone that has come on here and talked sports with me and really supported this. Thanks to you guys that listen. Thanks to the guys. I mean, my girl Shay, you know, she's the first one I had on here. Thanks to her. Alpha. Thank you. Um, off the post, Boston Sports. Thanks you. Of course, of course. Thanks Sterling. You know, you guys have been the one coming on here, supporting me, taking time out of your busy schedules, and uh, I appreciate it. So uh, thank you. Um, so now, you know, a couple of you guys. You know, I told the story about this girl, like my new friend. Um, I deal in a lot of cash with the other stuff I do. So, I mean, crime's up everywhere because of this COVID stuff. So I keep money in my refrigerator. I have these Coke cans that you unscrew the top and it's a little safe. 
So, like I told you guys a story, she found a couple of them, and she thought I was a drug dealer because I had all this money, blah, 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 whatever. So, you know, after I explained to her, you know, I wasn't, you know, and she's a little more straight arrow than me. So this is why this one threw me for a loop. So she spilled something on what she was wearing. She's like, hey, can I borrow a shirt? I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. Do you want to get one? She's like, no, I'll go back and I'll get one out of your drawer. So she goes back there. You know what shirt she bring brings back wearing? She She's wearing my Deja Vu strip club t-shirt. Now I know, I know, I know. Deja Vu, Eric, you're a pig, whatever. But it's Deja Vu. Strip club t-shirt. And she's wearing it. This girl who's a lawyer is wearing it and she flipped out that I was a drug dealer. I don't know. I mean, I don't know where this one's going to head, but, you know, it is what it is. She, she seems pretty cool, so we'll see what happens. But uh, that's the podcast for today. Again, loaded day with sports. we got that UFC card tonight. Plays were given out. Um, broke down the AFC East. Um, the only thing I bet for the AFC East is I did bet the Bills under nine wins. Again, I'm just not high on that team. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the AFC South and... Yeah, that's it for today. Have a good weekend. Um, the schedule for next week may be a little different with the uh, July 4th and everything. But, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Have a good weekend. Social distance. Don't breathe on anyone. Don't be a Karen and wear your mask when you go into a store if it is the store's policy. Be safe. I'll talk to you guys later.